Hello, Gorilla. This is episode three, season four of Gorilla Opera Podcast. My name is Takim, Ensemble Pianist, and I'll be your host for this episode. On October 30th, Gorilla Opera joins the opening weekend of the Boston New Music Festival with a live studio performance of Dreamwalker, a world premiere exhibition of works by composer Kaya Sariaho and Caroline Louise Miller. Today, we're with Caroline, whose work, Ophelia's Life Dream, details the thoughts of a dreaming woman who supposes she is drowning amidst the bizarre worlds of mysterious bioluminescent fungi, moths that drink tears of sleeping birds, and a giant self-destructing palm trees. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, so looking at the score, how would you categorize Ophelia's Life Dream? Um, it reads like a soliloquy and acts like Pierre Lunaire with electronics? Uh, well, I think I would say it's an experimental piece of theater with sound design. Yeah, I think that's what I would call it. <laughs> what was the inspiration be behind that work? I wrote it in 2009 and I revised it in 2014, but at the time I started creating it, um, I was going through a time where I was really obsessed with zoology and with Darwin's theory of evolution. And I would just walk around and I would look at plants and animals and different creatures and try to imagine the different forces that had shaped their, you know, their forms over time, over eons and eras and billions of years. And um, I also kind of started to get frustrated that I couldn't experience life as anything other than a human. And I wanted pretty desperately to try to transmute into another life form for a day just to see what it's like to experience life as a plant or as a mushroom or an insect or something. Um, so in part, the Ophelia's life dream was inspired by that, um, where the main character, she kind of has a dream within a dream within a dream where she kind of transforms into different life forms and uh, gets to experience the world in different ways. Um, yeah, I was also thinking a lot about um, just death and meaning and about um, finding meaning within the world as it is instead of looking for something outside because there's so much that's fascinating and beautiful in the world. And I felt that when I was walking around looking at plants and thinking about evolutionary biology. I remember reading the the description for the Ophelia's life dream, and it says, uh, "What was it? The mysterious bioluminescent uh, fungi, moths that drink tears of sleeping birds, and the giant self-destructing palm trees." And you're thinking this is uh, coming out of a, uh, I don't know, like a fantasy movie or something. But in a, a quick Google search, and literally, they're just real things from Madagascar, you know, which is amazing. And uh, you're absolutely right. There's so many fantastical creatures in the earth uh, to begin with. And that's fascinating how uh, in order to experience that you actually wrote something to experience that that's even, oh man, that's so cool. So could you tell me about your libretto experience? Yeah, so I wrote the libretto myself um, and I, I've been really interested in writing for a long time and it's always something that never something I like, I wouldn't say that I'm a professional writer or anything like that, but 
I would journal a lot and write stories and poems and things like that. So um, the libretto is pretty stream of consciousness. I just kind of tried to imagine what it would be like uh, to be each of these creatures and try to sort of write down sensations that came to mind. Um, so that's mostly how I developed the libretto. Any model uh, or, or was it just out of your shared desire to be part of, I don't know, uh, either a fungi or the moths or the uh, palm tree? I don't know. I, I mean, it was a long time ago that I wrote it. I think there was a poem that kind of inspired me. Um, I forget who the poet was though, but in the poet, I think he talked about um, lying at the bottom of a lake and seeing fish swimming above. And I, I liked huh. that imagery. So, huh. yeah. That is so cool. Um, so did you take any kind of classes beforehand uh, with libretto or it was just basically, I'm going to write, I want to write, and I'm going to put music behind it. And was that the idea? Yeah, that was just the idea. <laughs> so I just cool. wrote it. Yeah. I, it. In some ways, it just works so well. I thought um, it's the, all the electronics and, of course, the actor or um, singer, I guess. But having that kind of quote-unquote instrumentation actually does work really well because I think um, the whole electronics does somehow they it actually creates such a fantasy uh, sound world that uh, necessarily can't be produced well i don't know i don't know anyway so what was the idea behind the instrumentation kind of what you're saying like the um solo vocalist with electronics i think is a good instrumentation for this kind of really introspective piece that's a really internal journey but also very dreamy where yeah you can have the the vocalist um you know going through their monologue and their soliloquy and the electronics casting this really intense different atmosphere and yeah, the electronics can also kind of move us through different sound worlds that suggest certain things happening within a dream. So, um, and yeah, and unlike traditional instruments too, maybe you can you can draw any sound you want, like the sound of insects or like flies going past a mic, things like that. So, yeah, it's made how'd sense you, to me. <laughs> how'd you get into electronics? I got into electronics in my undergraduate degree. Okay. Um, my third year of that. So I always like leaned towards wanting to write for huge instrumentations because I like having 
a lot of different possibilities at my fingertips. And um, I just get excited when, when um, there's lots of different things going on. So I wanted to write for an orchestra, um, but when I discovered electronics, I was like, whoa, um, it's like an orchestra, but now I can use any sound in the universe. So um, I, from then on out, I, at least half of my pieces have involved electronics because I like the different options. That's so cool. Uh, how would so one prepare electronics for something like Ophelia's life dream? I mean, the electronics have kind of shifted form a few times just because different um, people who are performing Ophelia, they want different kinds of timing. Um, so that's actually um, something that I'm working on with Aliana okay. is, you know, working with her sense of timing and sort of adjusting the timing of the electronics, maybe stretching some things, shrinking some sections to accommodate um, how she wants to perform that piece. Um, but I think that when I first prepared them, um, you know, you use a digital audio workstation and you find sounds you want, kind of layer them and sculpt them to make a certain kind of interplay of sounds and move through different atmospheres. And I just tested it out myself by taking the libretto and, um, speaking it the way that I would act it out um, mm. to test the timing of the electronics. And, um, but it's kind of a work in progress, actually. It, it's adjusted each time it's performed. I have so many questions. So basically it's not like the, um, like the back in the days, you know, string quartet with the tape. No, where the tape is completely set and essentially the string quartet has to be with the tape or, mm -hmm. or else. Uh, so I guess, so there's more, much more flexibility with the electronics. And another question is, I don't know why I have this image. I have the image of you with the microphone just going around in the world and just kind of like <laughs> recording all the sounds. How do you get all these sounds? Uh, do you download it from a website or do you just go out in the world and record them or? Both, um, oh. crowdsourcing. Okay. I just find sounds where, like if I, if I need a particular sound, I ask myself like, can I make this sound myself? Oh, and sometimes okay. the answer is yes, so I'll go record it. But um, sometimes the answer is no, I don't <laughs> have access to like rain dripping inside a cave. Mm -hmm. um, but someone out there has recorded that. And so I use the archive free sound that oh, work okay. a lot. Okay. You can find recordings all over the world. They're of mixed quality. Some people know how to record and some people don't and they have you know, mixed sample rates and gear and things like that. But there are some really beautiful recordings on there and um, anybody oh. can download them and use them. Really? Um, and I contribute to it too. So I post sounds there that I recorded. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, so have you performed the piece by yourself? Uh, no, I've never performed it. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not much of a performer. <laughs> 
I perform electronics, but I don't do. Okay. Are you into singing that? Or speaking. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So whenever I see an electronic work with a live ensemble, I always ask, oh, why not have everything be electronic? Um, because you mean like have the voice? Too, yeah. Yeah. As electronics. So, right. Well, I think it could work, and it's been performed as a radio, sort of like a radio-style opera, where you just hear the sound. But I think it works better as a theatrical piece because mm. um, well, I mean, that's the genre. It's theater, right. so it's been right. to have a live, you know, person in this space. Um, and this will be really interesting because it'll be live streamed and and there'll be a music video. Um, actually might be sort of an ideal medium for it because especially with covid you know i'm wondering how this has been for this work has been for you and the gorilla opera they're gonna go into a tv studio and sort of take different shots of aliana moving through the space and doing different things and splice it together into an actual theatrical music video um, oh, okay. movie kind of thing huh. uh, which is really exciting and what we're going to do there is because the electronics <laughs> you know it'd be really hard if you're like taking different shots as you do when you're like shooting a music video um, <laughs> the music needs to be added in post so right. Right. Um, yeah so that's what we'll do the electronics mm. will be added in post About post wow wow um, have you thought about maybe an acoustic version, like having like an yeah. Um, yeah, I think an acoustic version could be interesting, or even just. Um, well, I thought I actually wondered if it could work without the electronics, just a soliloquy. Yeah, it kind of read like a play in some ways. You know, it's it was so cool. Um, but yeah, I would love an acoustic version so that you know that would be kind of nice. <laughs> How was this different from, uh, because uh, you uh, worked with Gorilla Opera before with uh, mm -hmm. Clapping Game Songbook, right? Um, yeah. How was it different um, this time around? Well, I think <laughs> this is definitely a very different workflow because of COVID, um, yeah. you know, meeting on Zoom and being like, you know, it's going to be broadcast, but no one's going to be there live for the yeah. performances. Um, yeah. But I really, I'm really enjoying um, the idea of being able to have more theatrical control over the work or, or like Guerrilla Opera has a lot of theatrical control over the work that's really fine tuned by being able to film it and have different shots and close-ups and and actually like splice the space together in a different way. Um, that's really exciting. And I think that's uh, something about um, the pandemic that's pushed a lot of artists in a way to kind of think in a more cinematic way maybe about mm. stuff. So um, I'm really curious to see what comes out of that. I'm excited. Um, whereas, you know, with, with Clapping Game Songbook, it was much more of a traditional theatrical production, um, working in person and doing staging, lighting, cues, and all those things. So 
even then i remember the performance we couldn't have people right because i was in march i think i want to say yeah right and that was the beginning of our a shutdown mm-hmm. yeah yeah it was only a few people allowed in the in the theater at once uh-huh. so i actually was able to be there in person but oh, you know we good. were all <laughs> i was probably ever only got within like 30 feet <laughs> of anybody and um yeah, and everything was shutting down, so it was a really weird time, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah. I remember watching the video, and I don't know, I, I don't know about you. Whenever I watch something, something like that again, when people are touching each other and singing to each other, I'm just kind of going, "Don't do that. Where, where are your masks?" You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's actually really crazy to think about. Right. <laughs> it was like right before we knew, like mm-hmm. everyone like had knew the full scale of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like doing these like clapping games and like singing in close proximity. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh no! Oh, it's it's a whole nother. Yeah. Um, well, do you have any future projects that you want to share? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, right now I'm working, I'm collaborating with Alarm Will Sound and yeah. a video artist. Um, her name is Stephanie Bird on a multimedia collaboration. And this started a year ago and because of COVID, you know, it's kind of transformed, but um, we're hoping to release a music video in early January this year, um, taking footage from abandoned train tunnels in the Sierras. And um, Stephanie and I actually went on a expedition (laughs) up there in August to take field recordings and film in these miles and miles of abandoned train tunnels. And they are so sci-fi. They're like, whoa, like craziest place I've ever been probably. How abandoned is it? Um, there's a trail up there when okay. we went there, there was hardly anybody up there, but I think maybe on, um, you know, maybe on nice days, there's more people, mm-hmm. but the train tunnels, they don't have trains anymore or anything like that. And they're from a long time ago. So, and they are, the further you hike, the less people you'll see because one of the, tr- one of the tunnels is like over a mile in length. So you're just going through this dark, spooky tunnel for miles. And like the there's like gravel that's deep. So you're like trudging through it. And it's it's actually really grueling <laughs> um, and really spooky. So um, I'm surprised they don't film movies in there because it, it feels like, I don't know, it feels like a sci-fi spaceship abandoned I don't know, colony on another planet or something. It's crazy. Echoes have to be amazing inside, I assume. Yeah. There's all sorts of, I mean, there's tons of graffiti. There's all these crazy rock formations. There's water, there's bats. There's, um, there's weird little windows in the side of the tunnel that let through little slats of light. It's crazy. It's so pretty and creepy. I'm laughing just because I'm like, nope, I'll never ever, nope, you cannot, nope, you can never ever convince me to go on those kind of trips. Oh my God. Oh no, 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 no. Oh, that's yeah. awesome though. That's yeah. so, that's so cool. So that's in January. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, We're um, putting together a video and then um, I'm putting together a score for Alarm Will Sound and we'll have okay. workshops in early December and um, yeah, get sound going and then we'll, we'll actually cut the video to the music. That's the plan. So it's actually a music video cool. instead of a film. Um, any uh, composition for like traditional classical setup, maybe? Yeah. I mean, I just finished a work for uh, Transient Canvas, Boston. Okay. People um, for Matt and Amy for marimba, bass clarinet, and electronics. Ah, cool. And cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Ah, very yeah. Cool. Oh, that's I just awesome. sent that one off. So. How did you yeah. get in touch with the Boston crowd? Because I feel like you, I think I read your bio, you were in UMKC and then you went to San Diego. You're more on the West Coast. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 2020, but how somehow? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I applied to the Grill Opera Fellowship. That's how I ah, got okay. in touch with them. Cool. And I, I had actually met Amy at uh, Seamus in Oregon um, okay. a couple of years ago when uh, Transient Canvas was the guest ensemble there. Ah, and cool. Amy was playing my clarinet piece by chance but then we kind of hung out and had beers together and all that. And um, so. Well, that's really awesome, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you go to you go to somewhere and next thing you know, someone from all the way from Boston plays your piece. I mean, that's, that, has to be, that has to feel pretty good, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, do you have anything to add? what we should be expecting or uh because i mean i remember the first time i heard ophelia's i'm just like oh i really need to sit down for this <laughs> I, I need to sit down for this oh this is awesome but i need to sit I mean, because it was just um even uh, from the get-go how she enters just uh, just laughing and just as an insane person you know in some ways and it's just it really grabs your attention. Um, so, no, I was gonna ask, and what what should the audience prepare for? <laughs> well, um, I think the piece is kind of dark. There's definitely um, a darkness to it. I'm, I mean, it does touch on themes of death, and um, and yeah, themes of depression. I think. Um, to me, there's kind of, uh, maybe a, a little bit of a feminist aspect to it too, because, um, you know, the character of Ophelia in Hamlet is just, she's kind of this helpless, insane girl who's just following Hamlet around and then she dies. And, um, I always kind of <laughs> resented that about her character. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's complicated too, because, you know, when you write a, f um, a female character who is insane, it feels so cliche in a way, you know, like, hmm. and then you're, you feel like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. Like, if you're going to write a female character, you can't have her be depressed or insane or any of those things. But that's not really fair either, because women are complex and we get depressed and right. we can be insane exactly, and we can be all the other things that humans can be. So um, it feels constraining to, you know, 
feel like you can't do one thing and you have to do the other for any reason. Um, so yeah, what I try to do here is just give the idea of Ophelia some, some depth, you know, like she doesn't just die. She, she, in, in, in Ophelia's life stream, she actually has sort of, she doesn't die. She's just working through different feelings and, and options and emotions. And, um, she's curious and she's spiritual and she's scientific and um she's going through a hard time yeah cool well thank you for joining us and hope to see you on october 30th for our live stream studio performance of dreamwalker thank you so much for having me steve and this concludes this episode for girl up for podcast i hope you can join us on october 30th for the live studio performance of Dreamwalker, featuring works by composer Kaya Sadiaho and Caroline Louise Miller. And on October 31st for the after party, where you get to meet the artists and a sneak peek at our upcoming projects. And of course, if you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe and support us on Patreon. Thank you for tuning in. Till then. <laughs>